Coming up on Chasing the Natty, in a shortened Easter weekend edition of CTN, I'll be covering the spring games from this past week and have all the major takeaways you'll need from them. All that and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Alright, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Daddy podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful day. If you're listening to this on Monday mornings on your way to on your way into work, I hope you're having a wonderful Monday morning. Although, uh, given the fact that it's Easter weekend, some of y'all probably aren't going to work on Monday. So, hope you're enjoying your day off uh, in regards to that. Uh, for those of you who went on church this past weekend for Good Friday and Easter services, I hope you guys had a great services. Um, I had a great service this morning with my church. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday weekend, or had a holiday weekend, because y'all are listening to this after the weekend's over. Um, but yeah, uh, if you can't tell already, uh, based on the intro and everything, riding solo today, because again, it's Easter weekend, didn't want to be dragging anybody out here uh, to guests on the show this weekend, but that doesn't change the fact that we do have some spring games to cover from this past weekend. So we're probably going to do a more condensed version of CTN today. Probably going to be a bit shorter of a podcast than what you guys are used to. I say that, probably still going to go uh, 45 minutes to an hour because I'm just long-winded like that. Um, but even so, we got a bunch of spring games here. I'm going to cut out of Transfer Portal Report stuff, or Transfer Portal News today. Uh, again, trying to shorten things down. Again, I got stuff that I got to get to. Um, I will have the Transfer Portal Report article up on the site in a few days on the site so everything you'll need to know regarding the transfer portal and things that have been going on there things like jt daniels uh guys like marquise irving guys like um kamar wheaton all those guys they're all going to be on that report so absolutely make sure you check that out on the campus canton website later this week um like i said uh, right and solo today, so we're pretty much going to get almost right into it. But before we get started, y'all, you know my spiel. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave a comment right down there below. You guys know how I feel about all that. I love every bit of it. And if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you're following us on those podcast platforms, whether you are listening to us on our own podcast feed or you're listening to us on the Campus of Canton feed. Make sure you're following both of those, to be honest. And then... Um, if you can, and if you haven't already, leave some five-star reviews for those f- podcast feeds. Um, we are, again, those help us out a lot more than you guys uh, would expect uh, in terms of what we can do going forward. So please just take two, five seconds out of your time. Just leave a quick little review. doesn't have to be anything super personal or anything. We just love to see that you guys are showing us your support in that way. In addition, we are Chasing the Natty. We are part of the C2C lineup. Uh, we are here on Mondays for you guys, typically. Last week we weren't. This week we will be. Um, we are there for you guys Monday mornings. You got myself and whoever I bring on in order to guest. On Tuesdays, you have Campus Live with Austin Nace and Colin Decker on the podcast side of things. That is the college side of the Campus of Canton flagship podcast. On Wednesdays, you have Debbie Debate live-streamed on YouTube with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. You will get that uh, in the podcast form the next day. 
On Thursdays, on the podcast side of things, you have Canton Bound with Austin Nace and Colin Decker on the podcast side of things. That is the uh, NFL side of the college, or excuse me, that is the NFL side of the Campus of Canton podcast. And then you also have the official with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple on the YouTube side of things. Absolutely check out that show, y'all. They've been doing a fantastic job over there. Uh, they've been doing their three-star series, which I know a lot of you love to hear about those, like, three-star sleepers you could be reaching out for. So check that out. And they also did an interview with um, Alan True over from 247 Sports. Great interview. Absolutely check it out. And then on Fridays, you have the free, the Future Freshman Podcast with Brandon Sanders on YouTube and on podcast form, uh, where he goes over all these different freshmen, who he expects to be getting us um, production, maybe even in year one, but very quickly getting production for their teams. Uh, and this past week, he did an incredible job. Uh, getting interviews uh, from Inside Carolina as well as um, Corey from over at Pack Pride in, uh, for some interviews on some what we can expect out of different players at UNC and NC State. So absolutely go check out his latest episode on that. And then we have some everyday podcasts and shows going on. The Daily Draft Report is on the podcast feed every single day. Dwight Peoples brings on a guest every single day to discuss a different prospect in the NFL Draft coming up, which is in less than two weeks. So absolutely a great way to catch up on all the different prospects that you would want to going into that. And then also Matthew Bruning has been doing a fantastic job with his spring reports every single night, looking for ways to just bring you the latest information on what he is hearing about spring camps all across the country. I personally use it in order to make sure that I catch anything that I haven't missed. So if it's good enough for me, it's definitely good enough for y'all. So absolutely check all those shows out. Everybody here at Campus Kent does a fantastic job. So please make sure you go ahead and do that. All right, I guess we just go ahead and get started with some of these spring games. I got nine major takeaways I really wanna talk about here today. So we're just gonna get right on into it. And the first one is we're gonna go back to last Thursday. Uh, we're gonna go to the Florida spring game. And to me, the big takeaway here is that Anthony Richardson and Montreal Johnson have both solidified their value to me in terms of CFF this year. Anthony Richardson, I think, had the, probably one of the best performances he's ever had as a Florida Gator in this spring game. Uh, went 18 for 24 for 207 yards and two touchdowns, as well as um, some rushing production on the ground, including a rushing touchdown. He looked in command of this offense the entire time. Looked, and, and I'm borrowing from Steve Spurrier here, but like he just looked like a natural in the pocket. He looks much better than he did last year as a redshirt freshman. Really looks like he's going to take his, uh, that next step forward this year. Now, the question kind of becomes, based on the reaction on Twitter and everything, are people kind of overreacting to the spring game? And obviously, that's a, that's a legitimate question we have to have with every one of these takeaways from these spring games. Because at the end of the day, these spring games are a singular data point. They are one, um, it, like, um, they're a singular data point. So like there it is one outcome out of so many that could have happened yesterday. And so in order to get your true view on what a prospect's going to be, you're going to want to see like uh repetition throughout multiple things. That's why if you have a guy like um I'll take Wake Forest here as an example because I I thought about talking about them today, but um there wasn't really too much to take away, but uh Des Williams was a wide receiver yesterday. He just went off for uh Wake Forest, but he was a third string wide receiver. So even though he did well in the game, like I doubt he's going to make his way up into the first string offense, even though he went off for like two touchdowns yesterday. Great game from him. That's great. 
we we have to be able to read these tea leaves just a little bit better. But even still, we've heard in the spring reports and everything that Anthony Richardson has in some ways taken that next step forward, ready to officially lead the Florida offense next year, especially now that Emory Jones has transferred away. Uh, God knows where he's going to go. Yeah, I think Anthony Richardson, he solidified his value where he's already at to me. Like I was a little worried that maybe he kind of underperforms where I kind of have him right now. I don't have my rankings pulled up exactly right now. I don't remember. I think I have him in like the like early mid or early mid thirties range. Let's see if I can pull that up real quick. Ah, Here we go. Uh, Quarterbacks. I have Anthony Richardson as QB 31. So to me, he kind of solidified his value right around there. Like, I think we, there's a legitimate concern about the fact that Billy Napier has never really produced a huge CFF QB for us. Like Levi Lewis is pretty much his only QB he's had for us. And so it's like, he, or that that's the best data point we have over the last couple of years. So that's not super inspiring. But Anthony Richardson, I also think is a much better quarterback than Will Levis ever or. Uh, Levi Lewis, not Will Levis. Uh, Levi Lewis ever was. So I am, I'm pretty optimistic about Richardson this upcoming year. Uh, definitely I'm not taking him much higher than where I have him right now at QB 31. And then the other one, this is one I actually bumped up a little bit here because I was a little concerned about them doing a full running back by committee here at um, at Florida. But Montreal Johnson really does look like the favored back when it comes to this system. Uh, during the spring game, he had 16 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. We also got to see Lorenzo Lingard, the former running back from Miami, come in and get some carries, as well as former five-star Demarcus Bowman. We finally got to see him getting some real run. Neither one of those guys really looked great. Montreal Johnson really did look like the best running back out of these two, or excuse me, out of the three. And then Naquan Wright also didn't play, so that's another kind of data point we got to keep in mind that maybe Wright has a bigger role in this offense, but he didn't really get a lot of run this past Thursday. So, but even still, I think Johnson's kind of moved up a little bit in my rankings, but outside of those guys, none of the receivers really stood out to me as like a go-to guy for Richardson. I think Richardson's going to be plenty of value on his own for this offense. So, yeah, that's my takeaway from the kind of the Florida game. Again, Richardson, Johnson. Those two guys are legit CFF guys to grab this year. I don't think there's a ton of risk of them just completely bottoming out this year. Let's go ahead and move on. Um, Next, we're going to stay in the state of Florida. We're going to move on to the U. And my main takeaway from the Miami spring game is that, God, Miami is in desperate need of some wide receiver help. Constantly, these guys were dropping the balls yesterday. I'm not going to pretend like Tyler Van Dyke had a perfect game. But these guys were giving him no help, constantly dropping balls all over the field, too many balls on the ground. Um, the best production we got out of a receiver yesterday was uh, Xavier Restrepo. He had six catches for six, uh, 60 yards, no touchdowns or anything like that. He was really the only guy that was giving um, that was giving Van Dyke any kind of help. Like Keyshawn Smith wasn't performing very well. Uh, Frank Ladson from Clemson wasn't doing very well either. So it was like... Miami, to me, is a premier destination for this second round of players we're going to be seeing in the transfer portal here as soon as spring ends. Uh, I think Miami's going to be going hard, throwing some money around for a wide receiver in that transfer portal. Um, I've been pretty, pretty vocal on Twitter if you follow me and everything, see some of my replies to people and everything. I think a Jai Hall would be very, very interesting here in Miami. Now, I've, I've been told that they... Because, again, he's from the South Florida area. I've been told by some people that... They probably want him to stay away from the South Florida area because they don't want him to get mixed up in some of the uh, culture out, like out, not not the culture of the Miami University, but like the culture outside of the um, 
the culture outside of the university of just Miami, the city. If you've been to Miami, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but even so, like, I, I really think like this is a team I'm watching to see if they grab a transfer portal wide receiver. Cause again, Frank Gladson's not getting it done right now. Um, I liked Keyshawn Smith and I like Xavier Restrepo, but neither one of those guys are really standing out right now. So that's my main takeaway from the U game. A couple other things that I can mention here. Again, Van Dyke had a pretty good day, even though his receivers weren't doing very well. Uh, 20 uh, for 32, 172 yards and a touchdown. So a pretty decent day. The other takeaway for me is the running back position. Henry Parrish looks like if they needed to rely on him this year, he would be an excellent back for them to have to fall back on. He had nine carries. 41 yards and two touchdowns, as well as Thaddeus Franklin, who had 14 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. That's a pretty good duo they have going on right there, and that's them without guys like Jalen Knighton, who we saw like when they really went to him last year. He was the only guy in the backfield last year. Absolutely was a, uh, a guy they could rely on. And then Don Chaney as well. He is um, somebody we still haven't really gotten to see, just nagging injuries constantly for him. Um, but again, Miami's got a lot of great backs in the backfield. There's a reason why Cody Brown just transferred out of there, the young uh, former four-star. He's just transferred out. So, again, they got a lot of good options there at running back. And it honestly makes me a little concerned just to draft Jalen Knight and going forward because, again, they they can rely on almost any of these guys. Any of these guys, I think, could be somebody that Miami uh, could fall back on. So that's my other main takeaway. Again, Miami need wide receiver help. Don't need any help at running back. They're straight. In fact, they probably got too many guys in there right now. So we'll see. Let's go to the next one. We're going to go to the Ohio State Buckeyes. And we like I thought about just talking about like, you know, JSN looked great. Marvin Harrison looked great. CJ Shard looked great. You guys already know that. They're going to be they're going to be awesome this year. But let's talk about some of these younger guys. And that's my takeaway here. The young Buckeyes really showed out in this game, and it wasn't really the ones I was expecting. Now, Emeka Ekbuka, a lot of buzz was generated on Saturday because of the fact that he started out at the Z instead of Julian Fleming. And everybody's like, oh my God, here we go. Emeka's finally going to get the start and everything. We later found out that Julian Fleming was being held out due to um, precautionary reasons of some nagging injuries that he's been having. Apparently, he's been day-to-day all week in practice. So... I don't think we're quite ready to fully jump onto Emeka is the Z yet. I know a lot of people are begging for that. And I get it, y'all. He's an extremely talented wide receiver. But we can't jump there yet. I still think Julian Fleming is a value right now, guys. Like, I know everybody is so... like. Or Let me be very clear. A value in CFF. I do not expect him to be like a guy that is... Like, if you're in Campus Canton Leagues, you do not need to be drafting him nearly as high as he's going right now. But in terms of CFF, if he sticks around this year and he is the starting Z, like, he's going to get some work, y'all. Like, he's going to he's gonna produce for you. So, we'll see. Again, he's definitely probably the least talented wide receiver out of those main four. But, like, again, if he is the starter, like, the system's going to help him no matter what. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent there. Mecca Buka still looked good yesterday. Four catches, 39 yards, no touchdowns or anything like that. Um... The other two, these are the ones that I don't think enough people are talking about. So tight end Joe Royer is somebody that CJ Stroud was kind of hyping up as the spring was kind of going along. They specifically asked, like, who who should we be talking about right now? And one of the first names out of his mouth was tight end Joey Royer. Excuse me, Joe Royer. And we saw why yesterday. Um, He only had two catches for 37 yards and a touchdown, but in that one touchdown, he really kind of showed off the athleticism that um, CJ Stroud was really kind of... um, uh, trying to talk him up for 
And so he's definitely somebody I got my eye on now and probably going to be somebody I'm adding to my tight end ranks here pretty soon. Because again, you have an offense like the Ohio State Buckeyes. Why not try to go for a guy that, why not try to go for a tight end that the, the main quarterback is hyping up, the backup quarterback was relying on in the spring game? I think he's going to absolutely be a value. And then the other one is again we all know Travion Henderson. We know he's going to be a, we, we know he's going to be a badass this year. He's going to be great. But behind him, you have Evan Pryor and Mayan Williams. We all know about Mayan Williams. He kind of got some run last year, but Evan Pryor was a true freshman last year, redshirted, and then came out into this spring game and really kind of showed out. He had nine carries for sixty-two yards and a touchdown. Speaking of which, that one the touchdown he had was extremely impressive. Um, Ohio State's got some dudes on that defense this year. And Evan, they, they handed the ball off to Evan Pryor, and he just navigated so well on the right side over to that touchdown. It was like t- the 22-yard touchdown. Very impressed with him. I'm very happy I have him on my dynasty roster. Um, and then he also showed some receiving chops. He had four receptions yesterday for 44 yards. So if this work kind of keeps going, I can see Evan Pryor almost getting a little bit of a value as well, especially if he does. Like I, Again, Trayvon's still going to be the guy, y'all. Like, I'm not saying that, but Evan Pryor, I think, like, if it, if, if it boils down to those two, and, like, maybe Evan Pryor overtakes Mayan Williams in that role, especially if Mayan Williams can't stay healthy, Evan Pryor might be a pretty good value this upcoming year as well. We'll definitely have to see. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We're going to go back to Florida. So this is our third Florida school that we're talking about here today. And we're going to go to the, we're going to go to UCF where that quarterback competition between John Rice Plumley and Mikey Keene is just in full force, man. Like y'all, I've not been I've been I've not been quiet about the fact that I'm rooting for John Rice Plumley in this role because not only do I think he's not as bad of a passer as some people say he is, but even like again, his legs just add an entirely new dynamic that Mikey Keene cannot bring to the table here. And the big thing is, we had to see, like, all right, if Plumlee can even get on the same level as Mikey Keene, like, again, I'm not super impressed with Mikey Keene already, but I can admit that Mikey Keene's probably the better passer out of the two. If John Rice Plumlee can show that he can perform at the, almost the same level as Mikey Keene in terms of the passing, I see no reason why not to give JRP the job here. And that's what happened yesterday, in my opinion. So here's the stats from yesterday in terms of passing. Plumlee went 11 for 15. 189 yards, four touchdowns. Mikey Keene went 21 for 28, 282 yards, and three touchdowns. Both were extremely productive yesterday. Like, it was very, very impressive. Now, granted, you might be able to say that some of that's on the defense and stuff like that, but even still, these two went toe-to-toe yesterday. It's a very close quarterback competition in terms of how they're able to command the offense. Again, I'm at the point where, again, I just don't see a reason not to start John Rice Plumley. He's older. He's more experienced. He's clearly showing that he's getting on the at least the somewhat the same page as um, Keane in terms of his passing ability. So I'm going to say, like, I'm, I'm still right on the Plumley train. I think he'll win the job out come the fall. And so the other small takeaway here is, oh, by the way, also Plumley did take first snaps yesterday. So that's another thing we got to keep in mind. Uh, the other small thing is Jalen Robinson's back, y'all. Um, it, at least it looks like it. Like, he was injured for most of last year and everything. Ryan O'Keefe really looked like a guy that I'm pretty high on this year. But if Jalen Robinson's coming back, y'all, and he's full strength, he scored two touchdowns yesterday. Two long touchdowns. 
one that was 38 yards, one that was 70 yards. I think one of those was each from each quarterback. Like, if he comes back in full force, y'all, he's a steal right now. Absolute steal. So I think that he's another name that... Do I say you keep an eye on? Because, like, we knew that he's great because we were all drafting him just a year, and or, like, last year and the year before, uh, just he got injured, so we couldn't really uh, use him or anything. So maybe a little post-hype sleeper going on right here. So, yep, that's my takeaways from the UCF spring game. Uh, again, not, not terribly too much and everything. There wasn't a lot of talk about the running back situation. Again, I think they all know that Bowser, once he's fully healthy, he'll be the guy. But in terms of... Who's behind Bowser? I, I probably would guess it's still Richardson, but again, I don't know a ton of information uh, based on what was being reported yesterday. So we will see. All right, let's move on to the next one. We're going to Athens, Georgia. You guys know me. I could talk about this game for 100 hours in terms of what I saw, what I thought was interesting, but I'm really going to focus in really on one key takeaway here, and this is the one that everybody was talking about yesterday, guys. The revival of Eric Gilbert is in full force. I tried to, I put out a tweet earlier this week saying like, y'all, it's time to get back on that train. And what did he do? Went out, scored three, or uh, caught three balls for 49 yards and two touchdowns yesterday. Uh, and Gilbert was targeted, I counted, in the end zone five different times. When they, when they got down deep in there, Stetson Bennett was absolutely keying in on Eric Gilbert and just throw, tossing the ball up to him and saying, just go get it, Eric. Like, he is going to be the red zone threat for Georgia this upcoming year. He is going to score quite a few touchdowns for Georgia this year. Uh, and so I am moving Eric Gilbert back up into my tight end rankings, and he's probably going to go pretty high for me because I just know, like, he's going to be a touchdown machine as far as I can tell. Now, the, the following question obviously is, and I know that this is the question you guys are going to ask me because I've been asked it like seven times since yesterday. How does this impact Brock Bowers? Brock Bowers is a clear tight end one in almost any ADP that you look at. I don't think I've ever seen anybody get taken ahead of him in terms of the tight end room. So how does this affect him? Well, in my personal opinion, I've, al I've already been kind of doing some touchdown regression in terms of what I expect out of Brock Bowers this upcoming year. Because again, he scored 13 touchdowns on 800 yards last year. That's not something you typically see. Um, so he's probably going to score... He's probably going to score closer in the, like, 7-8... Um, 7-8 range. Probably, a little, probably up into the 9 range. And I would say that he's probably going to... I would say he's going to do better in terms of, like, his reception numbers as well as just his yardage. But again, I think those touchdown numbers are definitely going to come down. Where are those going to go to? Well, Eric Gilbert is now the perfect candidate to kind of take away some of those touchdowns and still get Bowers plenty of value this year. I think Bowers is going to be just fine. I think he's still probably the tight end one, even if uh, Eric Gilbert is still uh, phenomenal. I think this the offense has enough room for both of them, and they're going to be great. So in terms of another small takeaway from the uh, spring game, uh, no Zamir White, no James Cook, no problem. Uh, Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton look like to be that next Georgia backfield. Uh, they're both going to have plenty of touches this year, and if you want to grab one of those guys for your CFF purposes, I do not blame you. I definitely lean more Kendall Milton. I know for a fact the plan is to get him at least 200 touches this year. Um, and we, as he showed yesterday, those are going to come on the ground and through the air. His one, his touchdown he scored yesterday was on a very impressive, recept, uh, very impressive route. 
Um, and then he was able to shake free for a touchdown. So I'm very high on Kendall Milton. I know some of my CFF counterparts are not as high on him, but like I'm, I'm hyping him up, but y'all, I think Kendall Milton is going to be fantastic for you guys this year. And then if you're in a spot, Kenny McIntosh probably isn't going to be um, too bad either. So that's my takeaway from the Georgia game. Again, I could talk about it for years because you know how much I am of a homer. Uh, but we'll go ahead and move on. All right, move on to the next uh, school we got going on here. We're going way out west now. And we're going to talk about the Oregon State Beavers. Uh, because we saw confirmation of what we've been hearing out of the spring camps from Oregon State. And that is Deshaun Fenwick is your one. But Damian Martinez is your uh, number two back. And both of these guys got extensive run yesterday in the spring game very much these are the one two it looks like they're going to be relying on both of these guys throughout the year and honestly in my opinion i think martinez just looks like the more talented back but again he's a true freshman they're not going to rely on him immediately he's going to make mistakes um that's why fenwick is still there he's still going to probably have some value but this offense might be a true ground and pound offense this upcoming year especially since chance nolan and tristan uh jebbia Neither one of them had a really great day yesterday in terms of passing, so this offense might need to rely on this run game. Um, I mean, not that they haven't in the past, but like even more so this year, and I think Fenwick and Martinez could probably see enough volume to where I, either one could really be a... Um, either one could be somebody you could um, work into your lineup uh, during certain weeks and everything. Fenwick, again... If you're going to draft one, I'm still going with Fenwick. Again, he's the older one. He's the more experienced one. He's still got two years of eligibility. I would draft him. But Martinez, again, like when it comes to like um, CFF Dynasty teams and everything like that, he's getting a role very, very early. And you're going to get some production out of him very, very early. So he's definitely somebody I would watch out for. And again, like I said, I think he's a more talented one. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if like we get to the end of the year and we're almost seeing Martinez maybe overtaking Deshaun Fenwick by the end of the year. Because that's just what I'm seeing right now. Again, I, I like Martinez quite a bit. Um, again, I've mentioned the fact that quarterbacks in the passing game were kind of struggling. Uh, Ty John Lindsay, um, they were kind of hyping him up during the broadcast and everything like that, saying like, oh, this is his breakout year. I'm going to pause just a little bit. But again, if you're in like a super deep best ball league and everything like that, and you're just struggling to find some guys, Ty John Lindsay, wide receiver out of Oregon State, go ahead and take a shot on him. Because, again, he clearly was their number one guy. It's just I don't know how many passes are actually going to make it to him in terms of what when it comes down to game day, how many touchdowns he's going to score when you got guys like Fenwick and Martinez in your backfield. So, going from Oregon State, going back west, or back west, back east. Uh, so if you're watching this on YouTube, you're looking at this graphic and you're like, Seriously, Jared? Really? You're going to try to sell me on this? And I'm going to say yes. Does Vanderbilt have some interesting players for fantasy this year? Like, I'm, I'm being serious here, y'all. Because, like, I, I, I spent longer researching this Vanderbilt game and watching this Vanderbilt game than I really expected to. Because, again, like, I was like, oh, it's Vanderbilt. They're terrible. Like, they, the last year, it was, like, there was nothing you would want out of this team. Um, they were easily probably one of the worst um, football programs in the entire country last year. But watching this spring game, and again, like this is where the question comes in. It's like, well, they're playing against Vanderbilt defenders, so it's like, how much can you really take away and everything? But like, Mike Wright, man, he was fun to watch yesterday. Like, 
I, when Ken Seals came out, I've seen Ken Seals. I've been there, done that. I am not interested in Ken Seals, but Mike Wright has some wheels on him. He was flying around the field, and they let him run yesterday. He scored a 56-yard touchdown, I believe, on the fit, on the first um, drive of this game. Not throwing the ball. He ran it. And I don't think there was a faster player on that field. Um, I think Nate Marquise, he posted the picture of or the video of it, and he was correct um, and when he said that the defensive end took the right angle. There was just no way he was going to catch up to Mike Wright. He, any other quarterback in the country, uh, in the conference probably, and he probably wins that battle. He uh, gets the sack. But Mike Wright just flew right past him. And so I'm very interested to see what Mike Wright can do, especially again, you're in Vanderbilt, you're going to be passing a ton, so they're going to rely on him through that because they're going to be behind a lot. And then also he's going to have to be uh, creating plays with his legs. And so again, if you get a quarterback with that ability in that kind of situation where they just have to rely on him constantly, I'm a little interested in uh, Mike Wright. Like, yeah, don't go drafting him. I'm probably not even going to have him in my next lineup of quarterbacks, but like, I'm really deep in like a best ball draft and everything, and I'm just like looking for somebody to like have some serious upside. Mike Wright, I'm I'm telling y'all, like I I liked what I saw out of him yesterday. Uh, I'll also throw out AJ Swan. He is the uh, true freshman quarterback. Came in during the spring and everything. I'm pretty interested in him too because I think he is probably the best passing quarterback in terms of talent that Vanderbilt has on their roster right now. And so, like, I think he's clearly the guy after Ken Seals and Mike Wright get out of there. And, again, he looked really good passing the ball yesterday. So, um, again, just a name to kind of keep on, keep an eye on. But the other, And then it's not just a quarterback. Will Shepard was the wide receiver one yesterday for Vanderbilt, and it looks like they were heavily, heavily relying on him. He is clearly probably the most talented receiver that they have in terms of the options that they have. And so they're going to just be tossing it up to him constantly. And so he's another guy I'm a little interested in because, again, we've had, like, decent Vanderbilt wide receivers in the past that have um, been people that we can rely on. And, again, he's going to be throwing the ball a ton. So we will definitely see. And then, finally, the running back, Patrick Smith. Like, again, I've been a Raymond Davis fan um, going back to last year. Again, he got injured out most of the year. I hated that for him. He's still injured, still recovering. But Patrick Smith looks like a guy that could be i'm not gonna say he's the next um oh i'm a Keyshawn Keyshawn vaughn he's not the next Keyshawn vaughn but like he looked really good in the spring game yesterday and so i'm just saying like don't be drafting any of these guys but like i'm throwing them out there to say these are names to kind of keep an eye on and if we continue to get good reports and we continue like in very early on the season if we see one of these guys break out for a big game I can see us very quickly kind of running to the waiver wires to add them to our list. All right, let's move on from there. You guys are probably done and tired of hearing me try to sell you on some Vanderbilt players. And let's go to the opposite of Vanderbilt, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I, had, I kind of struggled to come up with like a main takeaway. Like if you're watching this on YouTube, I have like a little like caption bar like in front of all these games of like what the main takeaway is here. There wasn't like one thing I could really take away. I just had a bunch of little things I wanted to talk about. And again, I know you guys want to hear my thoughts on what the Alabama spring game was yesterday and everything. So I just went with, there's plenty of ups and downs in terms of the Alabama spring game. Bryce Young had a really, the entire first team offense had a really, really rough day. They scored one touchdown. The second team offense absolutely destroyed, uh, destroyed them. I think it was the final score was like 25 to seven. Just not a close game. 
didn't help that, again, Bryce Young had to face off against Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, two guys that as soon as they lay a hand on Bryce Young, they call the play dead. It just what the setup wasn't fair. Uh, and again, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, they're going to be beasts, but you guys don't want to know about that. This is an IDP, uh, college IDP podcast. But in terms of like, what, what are my takeaways from here? Again, if you thought Bryce Young, if, or if you love Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, Jermaine Burton, they're all still going to dominate uh, this upcoming year. Like, I don't think anything happened yesterday that tells me like, oh, we should get off of those guys. In terms of the next group of guys that we like out of Alabama, again, I'm a big JoJo Earl fan. I know a lot of people like Ja'Cory Brooks. There's a little bit of concern now, maybe, in terms of like how secure their jobs might be. Um, Trayshawn Holden started uh, the opposite side of Jermaine Burton. Now, that's not super surprising because, again, Ja'Cory Brooks is out for this entire spring. Trayshawn Holden is a veteran in this offense. I had no doubt that he was probably the next guy up after Brooks in terms of getting the start. So, but even still, like, it is kind of interesting to see, like, if he does kind of hold on and continue to perform well at that Z spot, is Ja'Cory Brooks going to get it back immediately when he comes back from injury? Don't know. And again, there's my guy, JoJo Earl. Had kind of a rough day yesterday. He did finish with the most uh, receiving yards on the first team offense, which I was actually a little surprised by when I uh, when I looked at the stats afterwards. I believe he finished with 51 yards uh, for the first team offense. And so, but he's still plenty of drops, plenty of balls that he just should have had. Just not a good day for him overall yesterday. And now why is there a little bit of concern for him now? Well, Christian Leary just absolutely dominated on the second team offense. Uh, Jalen Milrow, that's another um, kind of takeaway from this. He looks like the, the number two back for this upcoming year. Uh, probably going to delay uh, Ty Thompson from being able to start at Alabama in his second year. But even so, back to Christian Leary. Five receptions, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Dude was absolutely just burning the second team defense yesterday. L- really kind of made his case to be maybe that slot guy for Bama sooner rather than later. But again, I'm still feeling JoJo Earl there. Again, he's just... Um, Saban has made it very clear that he's very trustworthy of Jojo Earl, uh, loves his talent and such. So I think I think Earl is still going to be the main guy there. But Leary definitely made his case yesterday. And then obviously, the other thing here, I told you already, Jambir Gibbs is as advertised. He's going to be an absolute monster for the Alabama Crimson Tide this year. Broke off for a 70-yard touchdown during this game. The other thing I saw people, this was a weird, weird thing I saw yesterday where... People were complaining about them not throwing the ball to the running backs yesterday. And, like, it, it, it was almost like they were, like, implying, like, there should be a level of concern that they're not going to throw the ball to the running... Y'all, Alabama running backs, the number one running back at Alabama has averaged 35 receptions over the past three years. They're going to throw the ball to the number one running back, and that's going to be Jameer Gibbs, who is, by the way, the best receiving running back they've had God, it probably goes back a while, but he's probably the best receiving running back they've had in a long, long time. Uh, they're going to get him the ball through the air, y'all. Like, don't don't be concerned about that. Don't be ridiculous. Like, Saban is not a dummy. He's going. He knows where Jameer Gibbs' value is. Um, it's just they didn't need it yesterday. So, yep, those are pretty much all my takeaways from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, um, one more small thing. Cameron Latu got targeted pretty deep quite a few times, which I thought was a little interesting because, again, like, I've had this debate with everybody else in our CFF team where, like, I'm a little bit higher on on Latu than everybody else. And I I said there's, like, a little bit of repertoire between Young and Latu. 
and they they threw it to Latu uh, a couple times yesterday, uh, pretty deep down the field. So looks like they're trusting him even more and more. He's not just going to be a red zone guy kind of going forward. So that should be pretty interesting. See how that works out. Alrighty, so we've made our way through eight of these spring games. Got one more for you guys, and we're going to go to Virginia Tech and Blacksburg, Virginia. And my main takeaway here is enough of the BS in terms of a quote-unquote six-way quarterback battle going on at Virginia Tech. There's a six-way quarterback battle. If there was one, there is not one now. Grant Wells absolutely dominated the first half of this Virginia Tech spring game. Easily looked like the best quarterback that I saw yesterday during this game. Um, in a half, he had eight uh, completions out of 13 attempts for 167 yards and two touchdowns. And two of those touchdowns were just long, deep balls to um, Caleb Smith, who is a name I didn't, I was not really keeping my eye on before this point. But he held in three receptions for 103 yards and two touchdowns. And again, the second, the quote unquote second best quarterback we saw yesterday was former South Carolina uh, quarterback um, Brown. And his long pass of the day was 21 yards, and his second longest was five. So to me, this there's no question anymore. Grant Wells is going to be the starter for Virginia Tech come the fall. I would be shocked if he if it was anybody else. And then the other question that kind of remains here is again, Caleb Smith, really good day yesterday. Three three receptions, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Is that something we can expect to kind of see continue on into the fall? I'm not ready to say that yet, but again, like if I'm in a best ball league and I'm kind of struggling at wide receiver and saying like, oh, like where do I go here? Again, we've seen Caleb Smith is a deep threat for Virginia Tech. They are very reliant on, or they're very okay with shooting the ball deep to him. So I'm going, again, I'm normally was a Jaden Blue guy and I'm kind of surprised we didn't see a lot of him yesterday. Maybe I missed the fact that he was injured or something like that. Uh, but Caleb Smith definitely won the day in terms of the receivers there. Um, he's got, he's definitely somebody I'm keeping my eye out on for futures uh, reports out of camp when we get into the summer and the fall. There continues to be a repertoire between him and Grant Wells. I'd be interested. Uh, and then, again, Grant Wells, in terms of uh, drafting him for CFF purposes, I'd say I'd probably grab him as, like, Definitely, def, definitely one of my backup quarterbacks. So I'd say like not my first backup quarterback off the board. Again, it's such a deep quarterback class. But like if you're in a really deep league and you're getting into like six, seven quarterbacks on your roster, like I think Grant Wells should be one of them. So yeah, that pretty much covers all of the spring game takeaways and everything. Again, there were some smaller ones yesterday and everything um, that I wasn't quite super comfortable with reporting on. Like Wake Forest, we it looks like we have our three wide receivers. You got. A.T. Perry, duh. Um, Donovan Green is back from injury. Looks like he'll be one of the starters. And then Taylor Morin. Looks like those are your three wide receivers for Wake Forest this upcoming year. They're going to be pretty great. Um, it's also interesting that Zach uh, Igwebe, I, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I probably totally butchered that. Uh, but he actually got the most run with the first team offense in terms of the uh, number of carries that he got. He had 14 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. So name i'm kind of keeping an eye on but i'm not entirely sure that wasn't just him getting a lot of carries in the second half after they took the starters out so we will definitely see um jalen Berger looks like he might be separating himself at michigan state so keep an eye out for that and then raheem sanders looks like he's probably separating himself a little bit at arkansas again arkansas not historically known for relying on one running back at least with sam Pittman there as coach right now 
So I'm a little hesitant to say like, oh, sock up for Raheem Sanders, but like, I don't think it's quite, um, or I definitely think he is trending towards that direction if they even go that far with it. Uh, let me run through my notes here real quick just to see if there's anything else I want to throw out here. Uh, Colin Schley got the start for Kent State, so um, no real worries there. Keenan Orr is a tight end. I can say that might be a little bit of in little bit interesting. And then, oh, South Carolina. Again, nothing too crazy here. Like, I, I, um, again, definitely ask Chris, Chris Moxley. He'll definitely have a lot more to say about this than I, I will. But uh, Antoine Mel Wells looks like the stud we all kind of want him to be at three receptions, 31 yards. But it, again, they were targeting him early, early on. And the other real takeaway for me is that this running back room that they got going on with like Marshawn Ford, uh, Christian Beal Smith, Juju McDowell, uh, Rashad Amos, this has running back by committee written all over it. I doubt we see a South Carolina running back uh, truly emerge in the form that we saw like Kevin Harris did two years ago. So I would say definitely, I, I would say for CFF purposes, don't be drafting a South Carolina running back. Now, obviously when you're C2C, a lot of these guys are very talented and very well could be NFL players going forward. But as of right now, don't rely on them for their college production. Anyway, I said that the last time I said that this was the end, I went on onto a tangent about several other games now. But now we are pretty much at the end of our show here, y'all. I appreciate you tuning in. And again, sorry I couldn't bring, um, or I wasn't going to bring on a guest this week in terms of uh, just didn't want to uh, take anybody away from their family during Easter weekend. So Appreciate you guys all tuning in. And again, uh, definitely, let me, like I said before, let me know what you guys are thinking. You can DM me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. Uh, you can leave comments down below on the YouTube channel. If you're listening to me on podcast, again, like I said, the best way you can do contact me at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter, or you can just at me there as well. Again, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, we'll be back to our kind of regular stuff next week. We're going to be back on Mondays. We're going to be back to having a guest on and everything. Probably going to continue covering spring games for the next two weeks. Although that last week, things kind of slowed down just a little bit. So I'm probably going to add something else in there as well. And then afterwards, probably going to start diving a little deeper into some supplemental draft stuff in terms of like CFF Dynasty, in terms of keepers and stuff like that. That's where we're going to start getting into stuff like that. So if you have ideas on like what you want me to cover and like how you want me to cover that kind of information, shoot your... Um, Shoot your ideas to me. I'll be happy to hear from you guys and see what you have to say. But even so, like I said, that's the end of the show. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, yeah, I will see you guys next week. Have a wonderful and blessed day.